You're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer, and I am here with Matt Hartwell. Matt, we've got one more week of offseason. College football officially starts in one week. Michigan football officially starts in two weeks. I think it's safe to say we made it. We made it through the desert of offseason. Um, you and I were just talking about we're going to be previewing East Carolina next week. So, uh, you know, how, how are you feeling about uh, getting, getting into some college football this week? Whew. When you said uh, previewing East Carolina next week, I got those little goosebumps all over my arms, man. I'm just so pumped, so fired up, so ready for this college football season. Uh, dare I say more than I've ever been for any college football season in my life. Obviously, Michigan has huge expectations going into this year. Feels like Christmas Eve right now. You know what I mean? I know you and I are just so big on our uh, game one rituals. So I'll be waking up uh, <laughs> the day of college football, ready to run out into my living room and get all of my stuff set up and ready. So uh, I'm fired up, man. How about you? Yeah, we're just two weeks away from the the you know morning ritual. I always walk out with my daughter and the sun's coming up and I I climb up on the step ladder and I I post my flag, my Michigan flag, you know, up in the neighborhood, and that's kind of my game day routine. And then, of course, uh, depending on college game day and and big noon kickoff, you know, it's it's been a lot more big noon kickoff recently um, with kind of the demise of of the credibility of of uh, college game day. So I just can't wait, man. It's like fall will be in the air soon enough. Uh, we're getting there, and actually. We've had some football already. We've had some NFL preseason football, and there's plenty to talk about from a Michigan fan standpoint of NFL preseason. Uh, I'd like to jump right in because I have a feeling that something in the NFL preseason game yesterday made you say, Sheesh! Absolutely, buddy. And uh, as you've seen, I've been all over socials just touting the good word of our boy Ronnie Bell uh just tearing it up in the NFL as of late um I've got his collective stat line here from the last couple games let me just get it pulled up our boy Ronnie with 10 percent 10 receptions 172 yards one carry for 15 rushing yards 111 return yards on both punt and kick return and even two tackles for our guy, Ronnie Bell. I mean, sheesh, Ronnie. Uh, I mean, sheesh. just a beautiful display from the seventh round pick, uh, Ronnie Bell. I just can't believe what I'm seeing from the guy. Obviously, there's been a couple um, negative plays with uh, that's been mentioned on social media and stuff like that. So... Not to knock too much dust on him for that. You know, it's the first couple games. Give him a break. But for this first uh, display that he's been showing us, uh, Ronnie Bell's been having me saying sheesh. Man, Ronnie Bell definitely gets a sheesh. But then in that game, we actually had a little exclamation point. Jake Money Moody hits the game winner of the preseason game. So we're not going to act too crazy like, Ronnie breaking 100 uh, receiving yards. That's cool. It's, it's better than him not getting the action, but we're not going to act like he, he's definitely going to be doing that in regular season games. But I think it's a little bit of what Michigan fans expected. You see him weaving through traffic, knocking a few guys over. It's like, that's the Ronnie Bell that we know, so, you know, making some tough grabs. I do think that he will be a serviceable, if not really good receiver in the NFL. And so... Ronnie Bell uh, is absolutely tearing it up in, in preseason football for the 49ers. But Matt, you know what had me saying? Sheesh! This week, it was 
our 2024 skill position recruits. So we've had some pretty big commits this offseason, and, and we're, we're keeping a close eye on some of these guys. So let's, let's start off with the quarterback. Jaden Davis, University of Michigan commit, uh, five-star, four-star, kind of borderline four- or five-star guy, five-star in our minds and our hearts, of course. Jaden Davis goes for 450 passing yards and five touchdowns in his week one debut for his senior year. Jaden Davis. Sheesh. But that's not all. Shall I continue? On the same team, one of Jaden Davis's favorite receivers, Channing Goodwin, got 150 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Channing Goodwin. Sheesh. And then we're moving on to a different team, but another Michigan commit, Jordan Marshall, uh, running back, had 126 rushing yards, three touchdowns, four catches for 45 yards. And get this. The very first time he touched the ball in his senior season went for a 75-yard touchdown. This dude, Jordan Marshall, may end up being the number one running back in the country of the 2024 class. Um, he's definitely going to end up a five-star. That's, that's what I think a lot of Michigan uh, fans and followers think that he'll end up a five-star by the time this thing's all said and done. So, Jordan Marshall, you also get a... But not so fast, Matt. I'm not going to let you chime in just yet. We've got one more guy to talk about here. Micah Capana, uh, over on the West Coast side, you know, over in the Vegas area. He went for over 200 rushing yards in his game. So I know this is high school football, but it's awesome to see our skill position players just eating week one of, co of college football. And it's a, a little bit of a omen of things to come for Michigan in the future. So, Micah Capana, you also get a... Sheesh! Whew, okay. I'm going to take a breath. Did you catch <laughs> any of those? That was quite the display, buddy. Uh, yes, I did, in fact. You know, it was quite the display for our skill position guys this weekend all across the board. So, you just love to see that. Jordan Marshall, I mean, give that boy his fifth star. I mean, come on now. Uh, he's just eating. You love to see it in game one because these guys are all just poised to really up their stock over the course of the coming season. And they're all committed to Michigan. So a lot of potential there, my friend. And another good news, the AP poll came out and sure enough, Michigan is also number two in the AP. Uh, it has happened. You know, that, that, that was what we've been talking about all offseason is we knew they would be top five. We kind of thought Bama uh, or maybe Ohio State would come in a little bit higher than Michigan, uh, just given the, the bias that, that Ohio State and Bama usually carry. We knew Georgia would be one. As Michigan fans, we were all respecting Georgia at one and saying Georgia would be at two. Coach's poll came out a couple of weeks ago. Michigan lands at number two. Now the AP poll comes out and also puts Michigan at number two, the highest ranking since 1991. I was four years old at the time. Don't remember that. So this is the highest Michigan has been ranked in my memory. Uh, Matt, pretty exciting stuff, isn't it? Very exciting stuff, Mike. Uh, I think the most notable excitement for me is uh, the lack of giving in to the offseason smoke of Ohio State. For uh, some of these voters, you know, obvious, you know, I think that uh, that Michigan is very well put together this season, just from top to bottom, all across the board from a depth standpoint. You just don't want to give too much up to Ohio State. I don't even say it from a biased of a Michigan fan perspective. It's just Michigan fields a really well put together team. Obviously, you've got to give it to Georgia at one, but I think Michigan's in a very good position entering the season where they've still got a lot to prove, but at the same time, not giving in to any, uh, any unnecessary hype of Ohio State or anybody else being over Michigan. It just doesn't make sense. When I love that you talked about all the smoke of Ohio State, because that might be a little foreshadowing to a segment that we're going to wrap up this episode with. So listeners, stick around. We've got a little bit of smoke for you 
at the end of the show. Um, but leaking out of training camp, Harbaugh keeps mentioning the Michigan method when he talks about evaluating players and creating competition for players. We saw uh, the Michigan method uh, front and center when Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy literally went into the season before a starter was named. And so Harbaugh is insinuating that that may be the case in a couple of other positions. Um, Who do we think is actually going to be battling it out? And and who do we think actually has solidified positions? There's a few few position groups that, that have come up in this discussion. So Matt, I'll let you go first. Um, is, are there any position groups where you're just not buying it? You think the starter is actually already there? They're just they're labeling this Michigan method just to add a little bit of competition. Absolutely, and I love that she used the word "actually," right? Because Harbaugh has a way of uh, getting up there and just uh, shouting out the entire roster. You know what I mean? But uh, obviously, that's uh, all well and good. But there's still just kind of a little bit of uh is it really a position battle with some of these guys so i mean if i were to power rank them like on a scale of one to four i believe there's four position groups that he primarily shouted out as uh as having the best chance at using the michigan method on which is uh edge left tackle cornerback and center So of those four, I do believe that there's really a solid competition at that edge spot. And I think everyone is of that mindset. Um, Very close. Nobody's really separated themselves to that point. So I think that that is really a battle that we'll see head into the latter part of the season. Mike, I'll pass it off to you uh, on our little mini power rankings here. Who do you think's the next likeliest to actually have a battle going on leading into the season? Well, Edge, I don't even consider Edge a battle. And, and you know, we talked a little bit, we made in our, our show notes, we talked about Jesse Minter had, you know, some hints as to what he saw the Edge actually shaping up to. We might as well just talk about that now since we're on the Edge position. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say what my opinion is, which is I think we've got four guys that are going to see nearly equal playing time this season. Um, let's see. You've got Braden McGregor, Jalen Harrell, Josiah Stewart, and Derek Moore. So those four, I, I honestly believe we're going to see a true rotation of those four guys on the edge. I don't think it matters who starts. I, I, I think that all four of those guys are quote unquote starters, kind of as in Harbaugh's words, you know, starters. And they're, just, they're truly going to rotate in. But I didn't catch what, what Minter said. So if, I'm going to pass it back to you. What did, what did Minter say uh, when he was hinting at who might start there? So to, uh, to Minter's point, he kind of hinted that uh, on one side, uh, it would be more of kind of a brute strength type side with uh, Derek Moore and Braden McGregor, a rotation of those two guys happening on that side. On the opposite side, uh, you've got Josiah Stewart and Jalen Harrell cycling out uh, between each other. So I think that's about what uh, what most people would expect, just given the body type and uh, and how Josiah Stewart is in my mind, just very similar to the style of play that J- Jalen Harrell has, um, whereas Derek Moore, Braden McGregor are big body type guys that uh, that can kind of use their their uh, size and measurables to get to the quarterback in a little bit of a different way. So I think uh, that definitely makes sense. I would kind of see it more as how you're seeing it, Mike. I think that it's really not going to be a situation where there's just a dominant Hutch or Ojabo on that edge this season. It's going to be more of a rotation similar to last season where you see guy where you see everybody eating. You know what I mean? It's very likely that uh that Braden McGregor, Derek Moore, Jalen Harrell all have very similar stat lines at the end of this year. Well, let's take it to the cornerback spot. That's my next, that's my next position that I, I believe is truly a competition. So CB2, we, uh, we know that uh, CB1 is Will Johnson. Like he, uh, I would be very surprised if he's not one of the best 
lockdown corners in the entire country this year. Opposite of him, uh, we've we've talked about it, you know, at length this offseason. There's a real competition on that side. We brought in Josh Wallace from UMass. Uh, he was a he's a senior. He was a captain on the team last year. A very talented guy. Uh, we've also got Jaden McBurrows, very talented guy. Uh, Amarion Walker made headlines. He went from offense to defense. Very talented guy. And then we've also played around with maybe Jair Hill makes a, a huge step up, or maybe Mike Sanders still even rotates over to that spot, and then the competition moves over to the the kind of nickel corner spot. And so to me, this is the one position on the field, offense or defense, where there's just so many different combinations of what could actually happen. Um, I'm going to guess that Josh Wallace wins that job. I don't know. You know, I just, I just, I'm leaning a little bit towards senior leadership in that position. But I could go in, you know, I would not be surprised if it went a different direction. Matt, how do you see that shaking up? I'm getting even bigger and bigger on Josh Wallace, Mike. You know, the guy's been uh, at the epicenter of of everything that you'd like to see out of him. You know, word on the street is that he's attached to the hip of Mike Sainer still. No better guy that you could be spending all your time around uh, roomed with him in the hotel. So uh, he's keeping very great company. He uh, made an appearance at media availability this past week, had a lot of good things to say there. I think in my mind, this is really one of those that's probably lower down on the power rankings. That's honestly going to going to be a competition at the beginning of the season. Word on the street out of camp also is that Omarion Walker uh, is banged up a little bit, not really participating right now. So that just kind of even more so paves the way for Wallace to kind of take a stranglehold on that position. Uh, Even Jire Hill, I think he's a little bit more down the road um, as a developmental project. So I think Josh Wallace has this in the bag. Uh, They they definitely want to keep it as a uh, competition, so to speak, heading into game one. But still... Can't help but wonder if uh, Josh Wallace just has a more more of a stranglehold on that job than we're believing. <laughs> so, what other positions do you see being a, a true competition? If I really had to say so, I would say edge, like I mentioned. If you had to call that a competition, but also left tackle, um, I think that's next on the board as the most true competition battle heading into the season. Word on the street is uh, is a former Wolverine that's already been on the team is kind of leading that battle, which you and I will uh, talk closer about. But I think that there's really uh, going to be a kind of grinded out competition going on for that spot, even heading into those first couple Mich- Michigan method type games. Yeah, we don't want to give away our our intel on our rank the smoke segment that's coming up and so we're not going to talk about that left tackle spot too much but there's one other position group um that i'd like to touch on when we talk about the michigan method a competition that might even go into the season and i'm going to give you credit uh you heard it here first on the big house bleachers podcast it's a a matt hartwell special um i'm going to the punter position and matt you were the first person that uh Hit me with a Lee Corso not so fast when I I thought Hudson Hollenbeck when he transferred over um, to be our punter I just assumed okay there's our starter like this guy transferred over there's our starting punter it's starting to feel like uh, Tommy Doman might be that guy and actually I was looking at the roster and Hudson Hollenbeck is not even listed as a punter they, we only have him listed as a kicker Tommy Doman's listed as the punter and so. Um, unless that was, you know, unintentional, that would lead me to believe that Doman might have the position, but in my mind, it's still, it's a competition because we're replacing Brad Robbins. We know that Doman has a leg. We know Hollenbeck has a leg. I would not be surprised if we see both of those guys kicking punts in competitive game action uh, in our non-conference schedule. So to me, I think there's a little bit of Michigan method going on in the punting position. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, for one, love to see it, you know, because I had initially had my doubts about Hudson Holland back as I as you refer to that uh, I had brought him up on the Big House Bleachers podcast and uh, just some general doubts, you know, coming over from uh, Mississippi State had never really played any actual time on the field competitively in college. So there were some question marks. So you honestly just love to hear that Tommy Doman is kind of emerging a guy that's been in that locker room, knows the system, and Jim Harbaugh's saying great things about it. So I'm very excited uh, for Doman as a potential replacement for Brad Robbins, and we'll kind of see how the rest of that shakes out. But uh, I love the little uh, the little uh, nod to that uh, that comp- that competition as well in the our discussion here. You've been the the champion for Tommy Doman since the beginning, so I got. I got to give you credit there. Um, well, let's get into let's get into a little bit of the action here. Let's rank the smoke coming out of training camp. And uh, Matt, this was your idea, so I'm going to let you do the honors of explaining what we mean by that. Rank the smoke. Yeah, so there's uh, a ton of stories coming out of fall camp, as anybody that follows the Michigan football program closely knows. So Mike and I were going to try to. Uh, decipher as best we can, read between the lines some of these statements that uh, Jim Harbaugh and other players and coaches have made to kind of rank uh, this smoke that's coming out of camp on a scale of one to 10. One being uh, this take is all smoke. This is just a diversion basically from Jim Harbaugh uh, to kind of get our hopes up about certain things or or run us off course or what have you. Or 10 being this is something that's very likely to come to fruition over the course of the regular season. Uh, this is a definite, definite thing to happen for Michigan football this year. So, Mike, I'll let you lead off with our topics, buddy. All right. So if I have this, if I'm understanding this correctly, one means this is it's it's unlikely to happen. So it's all smoke. One one means it's all smoke. Uh, Ten means this is this is very likely to happen. So there is smoke but there's also fire. So we're going to, we're going to rank the smoke here. Number one, what I think is the, uh, maybe the most interesting topic that we're going to talk about here is a little bit of news trickled out of camp that our guy, Alex Orgy could be returning kicks this season. I don't know. I, I mean, if you're a Michigan fan, this should get you hyped because the, the, the prospect of Alex Orgy you know, he's, I want to say he's 6'3", 225 pounds, somewhere in that. I mean, the, the, and he's fast, really fast. So the, the idea of getting an athlete like that uh, back there returning kicks is, is just exciting. So for me, I'm going to give this a 7. Uh, so more on the likely side, you know, that, that is a position that we've been, we talked a little bit about Cole Cabana. Maybe Cabana and Orgy could be back there together. Maybe one of them is going to be the up guy. Um, so I'm going to say Alex Orgy, yeah, seven. Uh, very good possibility that this happens. It's not all smoke. <clears throat> I like it. I like that you're a little bit uh, more positively leaning towards the possibility of this. I, on the other hand, have, have been very high on the idea of Alex Orgy getting in the game. I just don't know if uh, if this is one of those Harbaugh smoke things or if it's something that's actually going to come to unfold during the course of the season. He did note um, that that it's kind of a secret plan that the blocking needs to get better in order for it to happen. So he did throw some tea leaves in there, but me myself, I'm probably going to rank this smoke at probably around a four. I think that uh, that it's something that maybe comes to uh, comes to light a couple of times over the course of the year. I just don't know that we see Alex Orgy uh, in an all the time kick return capacity. Who knows? The first thing I think of when I hear that is uh, is um, some of the crazy plays that we saw with like Donovan Edwards and AJ Henning over in Maryland. You know what I mean? I think that that might be a little bit closer along the lines of something that we'd see 
Um, I really, in my heart of hearts, hope that Harbaugh is more so just referring to the special plan to have Orgy on the field uh, in goal line situations, on the offense, stuff like that. So I really hope that uh, his mind was kind of going to that place during that question a little bit, but would love to see Orgy on the field in any capacity. And I'm sure that he would be a dominant kick returner if that's the case. I just don't know. But, uh, you know, anything can really happen with Jim Harbaugh and this Michigan team. Well, I'm going to make a prediction right here and right now. I will predict that at some point in this season, we're going to have another orgy in the end zone, and it will be on a special teams play. We're going to get an orgy in the end zone on a special teams play. Uh, Mark it down. It will happen. Um, All right. I'm just excited about that one. Sometimes news is just so exciting, you have to lean into being optimistic about it. Um, now another thing that's trickling out of camp is that Carson Barnhart appears to be leading in that left tackle, uh, competition. And so we know what the offensive line is going to look like with the exception of that. I'm sorry, right tackle left, left tackle is going to be Ladarius Henderson. Most likely the right tackle position. Um, it looks like Carson Barnhart is leading. We're going to have Drake Nugent in the middle. Um, we're definitely going to have Keegan and Zinter in the guard positions. Ladarius Henderson um, is one of the best in the game. He'll be holding down that left tackle spot. Uh, it appears as though, based on what's coming out of camp, that Carson Barnhart is going to win that right tackle position. Um, I'll jump right in. I don't think this is all smoke. I think, in fact, that uh, the thing that is all smoke is that it's even been a competition. I actually, I actually believe that Carson Barnhart was kind of pegged as the guy this entire time. I'm going to say 9 out of 10 that we see Carson Barnhart march out onto that field for the first play of the season. He will be the starting right tackle. I love it. And uh, honestly, I'm not even sure, I, if I'm not mistaken... I think it's even been said that Carson Barnhart might be beating out Ladarius Henderson for that left tackle spot, if I'm not mistaken. I was listening to uh, to the On3 podcast, and I believe they were mentioning an ongoing battle between Barnhart and Henderson. So if that's even the case, we could even see a, a scenario where Barnhart might be overtaking Henderson a little bit. And uh, the right tackle spot is up for battle between uh, Miles Hinton and Trent A. Jones. You know, there's several different ways, I think, that this coaching staff can uh, can utilize all these talented tackles that they have. So me personally, I'm going to rank it at an eight for Carson Barnhart, just because I think one of those tackle positions are definitely his. He's uh, played a little bit all over the line, so I think that he's in the best position as really anybody on that offensive line to take a stranglehold on on one of those positions. Obviously, a returning uh, member of that Joe Moore winning, Joe Moore award winning offensive line. So for me, I'm ranking it at an eight. I think Barnhart is definitely going to be out there come week one. Well, then I'd like to change my answer. If we're talking about the left tackle position, I must have subconsciously knew that that's what you were going to say because I accidentally said left tackle at the start. I don't believe Carson Barnhart is going to win the left tackle position. I think Ladarius Henderson will be starting on that side. So my answer would shift all the way to like a two or three if we're talking about the the left tackle spot. But but man, to me, that's just good news. It's good news if if Carson Barnhart is playing like that um, that's or maybe it's because uh, Trent Jones is playing that well. Like we we don't really know, but it's just good news that there's competition on that that offensive line. Um, let's move to the linebacker and to your position. Point, and to your point, Mike, like it could uh very much turn out that way, where Carson Barnhart ends up earning that right tackle position, Ladarius Henderson ends up winning that left tackle spot. And Barnhart still makes it onto the field in that capacity. But 
who knows, man? I mean, with so many talented pieces on the field, you just I'm just really excited more than anything else to uh, figure out who it is they trot out on the field for uh, for the first session of uh, reps on game one. Well, and, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if Crippen came out at center, you know, like that's how good some of these backups are. If we if we had like a surprise, uh, you know, in the starting, you know, five man offensive line, that could be one that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be su- super surprised if Crippen actually won that position. But um, I'm not going to go that far. I think Drake Nugent is, you know, potentially the best center in the entire country. And so he's probably going to be on the field. Well, let me, uh, let me interrupt you real quick, buddy, real impromptu. Where do you rank that smoke? The battle between uh, Drake Nugent and Greg Crippen. That's supposedly been raging on. Well, I just don't believe it. Like, so here's what I think about the Michigan method. I think it's intention. So let me take you back to Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy. Do you think Harbaugh knew who he wanted to start? Or do you think he was genuinely like, well, it's a real competition? Like anybody that thinks that was a real competition is delusional. I think he knew exactly who he wanted to start. He was just giving JJ an opportunity to earn that position. I think that a lot of these are the same way. I think it's like, okay, this is our guy, but competition is healthy. So let's not announce a starter for a while. And then I think there's there's positions that may genuinely be a competition. Um, for me, that cornerback two is like genuinely a competition. Um, I don't know though. I don't know. I could see. Uh, I'll, I'm going to put that at a five because Crippen is is uh, making some waves and is a good player. So I'll put that right at a five. I can appreciate that. Uh, it's definitely a little bit intriguing. All of the talk about. Um about Crippen and his emergence. I think that it's a very similar situation to Josh Wallace a little bit where uh we're definitely going to see Greg or uh going to see Drake Nugent uh firing out on all cylinders at the at uh primarily most of the season and we see Greg Crippen maybe uh a little bit towards the beginning of the season in non-conference, but I think he's right there on the cusp, man, judging by how they're uh talking about him, and I think that the center position's in good hands for the time being. Well, we are typical Michigan fans because we're having trouble moving on from the offensive line, which is amazing. I, <laughs> that's what I love I love about you know Michigan fans is you start talking about the O-line and you, you almost get more excited you know, about that than running backs and receivers. But um, let's get to the linebacker spot. Uh, Jaden Hood seems to be solidly a part of the linebacker rotation, at least from some of the news that's been coming out of training camp. So I'll let you answer this first, but I've got an opinion here. Um, Do you believe that Jaden Hood has actually cracked that linebacker rotation and will play meaningful snaps this year, or is that that all smoke? I do, actually. I, uh, and if, I don't know if you noticed or not, I did a couple pieces on the kid this week one that was just entirely dedicated to Jaden Hood, and then another that was a part of a uh, a least talked about players segment that uh, that I did for Maze and Brew. But I think that uh, this kid is up for a big step this season. We saw him ball out like literally in Junior Colson esque fashion during the spring game. I wasn't sure then if it was all smoke, but then. Hearing all the buzz about him, hearing players like Mike Barrett talk about him, hearing guys like Jesse Minter reference him, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, everybody has said the guy's name. So I just think that uh, Jaden Hill is solidly a part of that rotation right now. Uh, he's been hearing his name a lot more than Jimmy Rolder, who you and I have uh, made mention of plenty of times uh, over the course of the last year. It seems like Jaden Hood's kind of taken a stranglehold on things over the last uh, several months. Well, I might not so, be tuned uh, excuse in. me. I'm I'm gonna rate that as uh, as a nine, being red hot. Oh, Jaden wow. Hood, I think is uh, is solidly a part of that rotation core this year. Wow, man, I love that uh, the supreme confidence. I actually saw that Mason Brew piece, and I didn't realize you had written it. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, 
Yeah, you know, is Jaden Hood going to be on the field this season? Yes. I, I'm, I'm going to firmly say yes. Is he going to be a major contributor this year? I'm going to say that's a lot of smoke. That's quite a bit of smoke. I, and, and so I'm, I'm going to take an alternate perspective uh, as you. I, I think he's a talented young man and is going to do a lot of really good things for Michigan in the future. But I'm going to say four. I'm going to say four. We're getting a lot of smoke at a training camp. Um, but, but, you know, we've got Barrett, Colson, Hausman. You brought up Jimmy Rolder, uh, Pollard. Right, like I would put at least those five guys ahead of him. So you t- you start talking about, um, and maybe he has jumped Jimmy Rolder. Maybe you know, maybe maybe that's the case. I don't really know, but um, getting him um, on the field in meaningful moments may take uh, an injury, which of course we don't we don't necessarily want that to happen, but it can happen, especially with linebackers. They're like the the running backs of the defense, and so that can happen. Um, but I'm going to say four, a lot of smoke. Do you, do you have a rebuttal? That's fair enough, man. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely going to be kind of a shot in the dark to say that the kid succeeds this year. He was relatively invisible last year, especially paling in comparison to guys like uh, Micah Pollard and Jimmy Rolder, who played substantially. I also did a uh, did a little piece on Micah Pollard as a part of those least talked about players. That kid played in almost every Michigan game last year, uh, part of special teams for for a lot of the games, but uh, even as a linebacker as uh, four or five of those games. So Micah Pollard is due for a huge step this year and Jimmy Rolder, he's not going away. So I'm very much still... Um, still not throwing any soil on your take right now. I think that uh, he's got quite a bit to prove, but I think that we might be seeing maybe a Junior Colson type guy in the making. Well, I'm not going to argue with you, man, because that would just be good news. But, uh, you know, I think we, this is one that I'm going to try to have realistic expectations about, which is, We've got our guys that are going to be making plays from the linebacker position. I just think Jaden Hood is going to struggle to get on the field during meaningful snaps, that is. If it's a four-touchdown game, are we going to see a lot of them? Absolutely. But is you know tie game, fourth quarter? Probably not. That, that's my guess. So, what, what I will say, though, and what inspired my, uh, my desire to write the least talked about players piece is that there's always those guys, you know, at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season that nobody's talking about. Everybody's got their idea of a depth chart going into the start of the season. Everybody knows who's going to be playing, but really there ends up being a handful of guys that nobody was talking about. So uh, I did my best, the best of my ability to guess those players in that piece. Jaden Hood is one of them, but We'll see, man. There's plenty of uh, plenty of depth, plenty of young talent on this team. So feels like any uh, anything that you try to take a grasp on with a guess, it's just like a shot in the dark because who knows how it's all going to play out when the uh, when the season starts on September 2nd. Yeah, good. All good points. All good points. I'm not going to push back there. Um, This next one is actually kind of interesting. So it had it was said that the defensive line got the best of the offensive line in practice a couple days ago. And those are pretty big words when you're talking about Michigan's offensive line. And so uh, I'll jump right in here. My initial reaction is, no way, that's all smoke. You know, that is the defensive line, you know, as good or better than the offensive line? Not a chance. This We're talking about the position group that's been really the best position group of any position group on any team in all of college football the last two seasons. And so that was my initial like emotional reaction. And then I started to think about it. And, you know, Chris Jenkins popped into my head. And then Mason Graham popped into my head. And then Kenneth Grant popped into my head. And then those four edge players that we already talked about popped into my head. And I was like, well, damn, you know, I could see those guys dominating just about anybody. And so 
I'm going to rank this at a five, uh, just right in the middle. It's kind of a safe, safe ranking here, but it's, it, to, to me, ranking it at a five is actually giving a nod to the defensive line because uh, the O-line is just so good. It's almost ludicrous to, to suggest that a D-line could keep up with this O-line. And I'm going to say it's not ludicrous. I'm going to say right down the middle of five, a lot of smoke maybe, but also a little bit of fire there. What are you thinking, Matt? I'm thinking you're right on the money with it. I think a lot of it is just shade from uh, Harbaugh's end to try and boost up uh, morale within the defensive line room or maybe entice the offensive line room a little bit. Who knows? But I, I don't think it's all smoke. I think that this defensive line is still very talented. I'm not going to rate this one as being like a 10 out of 10 definite defensive line is right on par with the offensive line type deal. But I am going to give this one a little bit of heat. I'm going to say maybe like a six and a half. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat. We haven't done any halves in this ranking that we're doing, but I'm going to give it a six and a half just because, like you said, Chris Jenkins, uh, first of all, is just enough to to make somebody say, hmm. But uh, just aside from that, you've got Mason Graham, who was a star freshman last year. Uh, He's going to be emerging as a totally different new threat this year. Rayshon Benny, who is said to have taken a huge step up. Uh, Kenneth Grant, those edge guys that you mentioned. I mean, it's a lot of firepower on the defensive line when you really think about it and start thinking about how that offensive line matches up against that defensive line. So there are a lot of intriguing factors to this defensive line. And I wouldn't be so fast to say that, uh, that the offensive line is just on a completely, completely different plateau as the defensive line. So uh, I'm going to give it like a six and a half. I think that they're probably one of the closest position groups Michigan has to uh, the depth that their offensive line has. So I'm going to give them a little bit of juice there. A little bit of juice indeed. So we, we see that about the same. You're actually giving the D-line a little more than me. So I, I respect that, actually. I, you know, I, I, for me, it was hard to go above a five just you know, because of who's on that offensive line. But I respect your take. All right, and last but not least, as we rank the smoke here, um, there's been a ton of talk about the, the three-headed wide receiver monster that is the freshman wide receivers at Michigan. We've got Samaj Morgan, Frederick Moore, and Carmelo English have all been making waves out of training camp. So how hyped are we for these guys? And, and do we believe it or is this all smoke? I'll let you go first. Well, Fred Moore, another one of those guys that I did an offseason piece on this offseason. And uh, I think that this guy in particular, of those three, all credit to uh, Samaj Morgan and Carmelo English. I think that those guys will probably be studs for Michigan as well. But I just think Fred Moore, Frederick Moore, is going to be on another level. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Darius Clemens over the last couple of years, but this is the guy that I am going to be having those Darius Clemens-esque, Andrell Anthony-esque hopes about over the next uh, year or two. I think the kid's got a ton of potential, uh, ran a long one, uh, ran a long one back for uh, 60 something yards for a touchdown in Michigan spring game. So uh, plenty of potential there. We've seen it a little bit put on display. I think that kid's a star. The other two, I don't know. Samaj Morgan, whenever I think him, I think AJ Henning, which, you know, AJ Henning is obviously like not the, the star of all Michigan stars, but he's not terrible either. So the other two, I have yet to really see anything or hear too much specifically about Carmelo English, other than he's made a few plays in practice. Uh, But Samaj Morgan, I think, will be like a sub-decent player for Michigan. And Fred Moore, I think, will be very high. So to even all that out, I'm going to give them a six of how excited I am uh, just about that trio. And the little bit of... of, uh, rebuttal I have on that is just that we've heard this a million times over 
about uh, Michigan receivers and this uh, trio of freshman receivers and stuff like that. So I've really just got to see it come to fruition on the field. They've got to make some damn plays uh, and score some damn touchdowns for a lot of yardage. <laughs> and then I'll start getting happy about the uh, the future of Michigan football receiving again. But what do you think, buddy? How are you ranking the smoke for those three young guys? Well, I think that this is, you know, Cheech and Chong level smoke here. You know, th- this is, uh, you know... Th- potheads rolling up a blunt with their windows <laughs> with their windows rolled up level smoke you know there this this is a lot of smoke coming out of training training camp I, as a matter of fact i would give this a one it's so much smoke but i'm not going to i'm going to give it a three and the only reason <laughs> i'm going to give it a three is because i think jj mccarthy is going to be slinging it like so much this season and then when he goes out the guys are going to be running you know, this new kind of a little bit more pass centric offense. And so guys like Tuttle and uh, Davis Warren, who those are the guys that are going to be throwing to these freshmen. It's going to be Tuttle and Warren. It's not going to be JJ McCarthy because the only time these guys are going to be on the field is when McCarthy's, you know, drinking some Gatorade, looking at the the 50 point lead on the scoreboard. So, you know, do I think you got it right on which one is most likely? Yeah. Frederick Moore is most likely. Then I think Samaj, um, and I don't want to overlook Carmelo English. I mean, they're all going to be good players, but I've had my heart broken too many times by, you know, by like the Andrell and those kinds of things. And Andrell had that one big game at Michigan State. If we get a game like that out of one of these freshmen, um, then I'll go ahead and back up and be happy with it and say that it wasn't all smoke. But, you know, Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, Peyton O'Leary, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to actually say Tyler Morris will be the third starter, not Peyton O'Leary. And so I, and I know that you and I have this running bet between Darius Clemens and Tyler Morris. It's like, you're, you're in the lead there. Cause I think it looks like Tyler Morris is going to win that spot. And then don't forget about Darius Clemens, right? And don't forget about uh, you know, you got returning players like Christian Dixon and, and you know, there, there's guys that are going to get involved. And so, how and then Colston Loveland and Donovan Edwards are going to be key members in the passing game, not to mention the other tight ends, you know, Hibner and it, like how many throws could possibly go in any of these freshmen's direction, you know? And so could, could Frederick Moore get a grab here or there? Yeah, but uh, this is all smoke coming out of training camp. I respect it. I respect the take. Uh, I honestly, while we're on this topic, I posed a question on Twitter earlier today, kind of to get a little bit off topic from where we're going, but not too much. Ronnie Bell, with his emergence at the NFL level, what does that say about Michigan's receiving core now? I mean, so much has been made that, uh, that Michigan's wide receiver core is a a weakness of this team. You know what I mean? I think it's more so just an underutilization on the offensive, on the offense's part. A lot of missed opportunities last season, a lot of meat left on the bone. I think that there's a lot of potential out of this Michigan wide receiver room. Uh, But, but I mean, what do you think, Mike? Is that more just San Fran playing to Ronnie Bell's strengths in the uh, the preseason with their style of play and their style of offense, or could uh, could we see a new gear out of the Michigan wide receiver room this year? Well, I do think it's it's underutilization, but I do I think that that might be changing with the emergence of JJ McCarthy. You know, we thought Shea Patterson was going to be like that guy, and he was good. But he wasn't that guy. Like when we're talking about the top two or three quarterbacks in the country. And so I think back to those Shea Patterson years and, and you know, you look at some of the other Harbaugh quarterbacks and we haven't really had a guy that could, you know, sling it around. We haven't had a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud or, you know, anything like that. And so you look at Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples-Jones, like they're actually excelling in the NFL Nico Collins, I believe, is going to be the number one receiver 
on uh, the Houston Texans this year. And so, I mean, that's a Michigan guy right there starting in the NFL. Um, so I do think it's been underutilization, and I think that's going to change. But there's also something else going on with, like, like Ronnie Bell's a good example. Michigan's been getting three stars and sometimes four stars at the wide receiver position. Those guys, even if they develop a lot in college, they don't go in the first two or three rounds of the NFL draft because usually what made them a three or a four star is they don't have the measurables, right? But a guy like Ben Herbert can take a guy like Ronnie Bell and turn him into uh, you know, a really good receiver that can excel in the NFL. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that Ronnie Bell is doing well. Um, he's, he was just destined to fall to the fifth, sixth, seventh round of the draft because he doesn't have the Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, measurables. And so to me, that's what we're seeing right there. Well, that just about does it for our show. We will be back next week to talk a little bit about actual college football games that happened and we'll be previewing East Carolina. And then the following week, that's right, we will have Michigan football to discuss. So thank you guys for hanging in there during the off season with us. We will be back next week with another episode of the Big House Bleachers podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer. For my buddy, Matt Hartwell, as always, a bleacher.